0: Welcome to the Freight Broker Bootcamp audio experience and I'm your host Dennis Brown. Today we have a special episode. Uh, I'm not going to do a specific training but I am going to do and dedicate this entire time to a live Q&A about how to get shippers as a freight broker. So, KT says I just want to know how to go about getting shippers to work with you. Okay, so there's a few ways that you can get shippers, all right? And this will probably answer a lot of questions that other people are gonna have later on. You can do inbound or outbound. Most people as startups focus on outbound, which is usually cold calling, cold emailing, using social media and social selling like LinkedIn or face-to-face sales, okay? Those are the four primary strategies that new brokers use to get shippers, Now, most of them start with the phone um, and what I teach is a multi-touchpoint, multi-channel outreach strategy where not only do you use the phone, but you also use email, you use social media, you can also use face-to-face if your target market is local. So those are the strategies that you use to find and connect and engage with your prospects. Right Now, once you've contacted those prospects, got their attention, Right, that's the hardest part, getting their attention, right? The first 15 seconds, five to 15 seconds of that phone call so that they don't give you the Heisman or hang up the phone on you or give you some lame excuse. You got to get their attention. And the key to getting their attention is to be different. I've said this before. So I've created an entire sales hook formula and in sales hook strategy that allows you to sound and act and appear different than any other freight broker that's been calling them that week or month. Okay. That's the hardest part from there, obviously building rapport, developing trust. You know, the, the whole buying cycle is know, like, and trust. They need to know who you are, they need to like you, right? Because people do business with people they like. And number two, they three, they need to trust you, right? So ultimately that's the that's the equation. So I hope that helps. I mean, I'm sure other people are gonna ask some questions, but I think that should give you a pretty good starting point. Uh, Tiana. Tiana Samuel says, what's the best way to find intermodal freight? Well, intermodal can be really three. There's three different types of intermodal. There's intermodal air, there's intermodal ocean, and there's intermodal rail. Intermodal really just means that there's multiple modes of transportation, which let me give you an example of intermodal rail. So intermodal rail is where a truck picks it up at the pickup location, drives it to the rail. They Transload it onto the rail, and then the rail takes it to line haul, and then at the other rail they will transload it onto another truck, and then the truck will deliver it. You can see how it's multimodal. There's multiple modes. It's a much more complex process, right? So the same goes for ocean, the same goes for air, just kind of fit the air and ocean in there, and you got the same thing. So, but there's always a truck involved because the rail's never rarely, if ever, going to pick it up at your building. You know, a plane's not going to pull up your building and the ocean liners are not going to pull up your building. So it requires multiple modes. Now, as far as finding shippers in that niche, you know, you're going to have to, depending upon that, you're going to have to do some research. Finding intermodal shippers can be challenging. And here's why because they don't advertise that they're intermodal, right? Um, So it, it can be challenging, but most larger shippers, medium to large shippers, are using some form of intermodal. They're either importing or exporting, they're running on the rail, or they're doing air freight when needed, as little as humanly possible, I'm sure. So I would say air freight's probably the hardest to identify, um, but rail and, and ocean freight are probably a little bit easier. If you're a member of Freight Broker Bootcamp, and you, have, you should have access to the shipper directory that we include as a part of that program, There is a filter in there where you can filter import-export, where you can only see shippers that actually have identified themselves as importers or exporters. So that might be a good place to start. Other than that, um, you're going to have to do a lot of research. It's going to be a lot of hand-to-hand combat online, or maybe you can buy a database of import-exporters, right? That might be the best way to go. Probably be a good investment considering the time it would take you to try to source all those leads on your own. So I hope that helps. Okay, so this looks like a two-part question. Malik asks, what were your biggest problems securing shippers? As in, is it better to meet face-to-face or email? Okay, well, when I started my brokerage in 2003, um, our niche was not local. So we did not focus on local businesses in my market. We focused on a little bit further northeast, and so we had to use the phone. We didn't have an option but to use the phone. So we started and got all of our early customers exclusively with the phone, okay, using the phone, using cold calling. And then later we started doing cold emailing. And then we also started using LinkedIn and social selling as a process for finding, connecting, and engaging with shippers, right? But I will tell you that you are probably going to have a higher closing percentage doing face to face outreach um, than you will over the phone because it's easier for people to ignore you over the phone. It's easier for people to tell you no over the phone. Face-to-face, it's a lot harder. Now, you can't touch as many people face-to-face as you can with the phone or email. So at some point, it kind of becomes a math equation, right? But I'm a big proponent of quality over quantity. I'm never one of those guys that's going to tell you you got to make 100 or 200 calls a day Uh, In order to be successful, you do have to fill your funnel. You do have to have a funnel. And so that starts with finding and identifying the right audience and then filling that funnel through whatever mode or channel you decide to. And then moving those people from the top of the funnel down to the bottom of the funnel where they eventually say yes or no. A lot are going to say no. Some are going to say yes. The cool part is as a broker or as an agent, to make a six figure income as a broker and agent, In my experience, after training over 10,000 students, you only need less than a handful of customers. And those are not big customers, less than a handful of small customers, right? That are doing a load a week, a couple loads a week, a load a day um, in order for you to make, start making six figures, okay? Now, if you wanna make a lot more, and I mean six figures profit, not six figures revenue, right? So hopefully that helps, Mike. Old Young asks, is there an alternative to LinkedIn? Well, LinkedIn is my favorite, but you could use any social media channel. You could use Facebook. You could use Instagram. You could use some of those other channels. You could use Twitter. I just find that LinkedIn is a lot easier to identify my target market, right? If I go on Facebook, it's harder, much harder to identify who the shippers are and who the shipping managers are. But if I go on LinkedIn, it's a part of their profile. So it's easy to identify and find them. Facebook is also a lot harder because unless somebody friends you, you can't message. It's hard to message them, right? Your messages kind of go to a spam box. LinkedIn is a little bit more lenient with that, right? You can send a connection request with a message in there, right? So, uh, and people are in the business environment are more likely, if you're relevant, they're more likely to connect with you on LinkedIn than they will on their personal profile. So I'm not saying you can't use Facebook or Instagram, but my first choice is LinkedIn. If you're going to be using social selling and social media to find and connect and engage with shippers. Uh, Ozan asks, thanks for your time, Dennis. Do you think being friendly is good for the first contact? Like, hello, Dennis, I live in the same area as you. I wanted to say hello and introduce myself as an agent. You know, being friendly is always great, but you have to understand something. You have to put yourself in the shoes of the shipper. a shipping manager, warehouse manager, transportation manager, logistics manager, is busy as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. Okay, they're busy. Um, They are multitasking, they have a lot going on. And so the problem with just trying to be friendly is that those calls are not engaging. Now you might get a few people that are like, oh boy, this guy's really nice and he's local. So, you know, that might hook a few people. But Ozan, you went through the freight broker sales accelerator. All you need to do is follow the um, sales hook formula. The sales hook formula that I taught you and I coached you and I worked with you on and you have the course and all the training. Use the sales hook formula. Find something that is compelling and relevant. Now, local is relevant. So there is some relevance there, but I'm not sure it's going to get you what you want. Here's the sure way to find out. Pick up the phone and test it. If you're not getting engagement, if you call uh, and talk to 10 people on the phone and you're not getting the leveling of the engagement, you're actually talking to 10 shipping managers and you're they're just pushing you off and not giving you uh, kind of the, the feedback that you want, then I'd change it. But testing is the best way to do it. There is, what you guys have to understand is there is no one size fits all script that all shippers are going to respond to. Okay. The problem, that's where most people fail. They think that having some, there's some magic script that they can just read the words and customers are going to fall out of the trees. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. There's a process. If it was that easy, everybody'd do it. If it was that easy, everybody'd be a millionaire. It doesn't work that way. Okay. That's why I put the freight broker sales accelerator together. I can't make it any more clear. It teaches you step by step by step by step by step on exactly how to do it, okay? Not only does the course teach you, but I coach you live. So when we do coaching in the Freightbrookers Sales Accelerator, it's a Zoom call. So if when Ozon was in the Freightbrookers Sales Accelerator, he had questions or concerns or issues. I brought him up on stage. We were side by side on a live Zoom call and he asked his question and then we dissected that question or that issue and I coached and mentored him through those issues, right? So if you join the Freight Broker Sales Accelerator, that's what I'll do for you for five weeks. Okay, so hope that helps. Uh, Max asked, besides load boards, are there more options to find carriers? Yeah, but the load board is going to be your number one option. Referrals from other carriers is going to be your number two. Maybe referrals from other shippers might be number three. You know, the problem is, is it. Having a directory of carriers and just randomly cold calling them is going to be very low ROI because you don't know if those carriers are going to match up with your customer's freight needs and demands. Cold calling a list of carriers to me just doesn't, it's not a good use of time, right? So I would much prefer to find carriers, use tools like load boards, DAT, uh, you know, truck stop, other load boards, to try to uh, identify the type of equipment they have, uh, their geography, the lanes they run, and then start developing a relationship with them, right? And then try to put a partnership together. So there are, but I don't think they're gonna be nearly as valuable and the ROI is not anywhere near as good. Okay, so uh, Michael Shepard, how much value do you put on visiting customers or potential customers for face-to-face meetings? I put an enormous amount of value face-to-face meetings, whether they're existing customers that are remote or local and you haven't met yet, or if they're prospects that you're soliciting and redoing outreach to. So face-to-face is a very powerful tool, but number one, not everybody's as comfortable uh, doing face-to-face sales, right? Number two, not everybody's niche is local, right there's some limitations there but when you can meet face to face whether that be a prospect that you're doing outreach to you've never met or talked to or whether that be a customer you started doing business with and you still haven't met face to face both of those are extremely valuable you building rapport and building trust and building a relationship is much easier face to face than it is through email or through phone the hardest is through email and social media second hardest is the phone the the mo- the easiest way to build those relationships is face to face. Now, there are, you know, the problem with face to face is it has some con- time constraints and limitations. Phone sales, email, LinkedIn, you open up the whole world to your to your, you know, to your opportunity, right? So, there's pros and cons. Oh, all right, Darian, could you give us a free method to be different? Okay, simple, very simple. It doesn't cost you anything to be different. You are a prospect. You're working for XYZ Logistics Company. Before I call you, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to look at your company website. I'm going to search Google for your company name. Uh, I'm also going to educate myself on your niche, obviously, because I will have selected that niche. And I will also look you up on LinkedIn. I will gather sales intelligence, I will gather some information that's very relevant to you and your business. Okay. That information is what I will use to create a sales hook, okay? So this probably take you three to five minutes to do the research and then you develop your sales hook. Let's say for example, here's a simple sales hook. You go to the company's website, you see it on the press release that they just acquired in the last month or two, they just acquired another company in their niche, in their market, in their industry. So that becomes the part of your sales hook. So when you do the outreach to them, You're going to, number one, congratulate them on the fact that they acquired. I I read the press release on your website. I see that you've acquired XYZ Company. Congratulations. I just wanted to reach out and let you know. I, I understand it's very common that during these types of mergers and acquisitions, that logistics is a huge challenge for both parties as they merge. And I was just curious, how are you addressing that? How are you guys handling that? I found something very relevant very contextual, very specific. And then I packaged it in a way that made sense to him because he knows that when you merge companies, logistics and and merging shipping and logistics is one of the most difficult components. And then I didn't beg him for freight. I didn't tell him that I could help him. I asked him how he was addressing that. I asked him a question. Now that question is going to get a response. If my sales hook is good, then he's probably going to answer that question. It might be brief or it might be detailed, right? that's an example of leveraging sales intelligence to create a sales hook. That's a perfect example. That type of information is all over and it's all free. You can get it on LinkedIn, you can get it from Google, you can get it from the company website. You can get it from industry, trade journals, industry blogs, right? Let's say for example, there was some new legislation that was passed by Congress, right, about import export tariffs on steel, and you're in the steel niche, you might use that information as a sales hook, as a compelling sales hook, as a way to get their attention. Because if you want to get their attention, you have to speak their language and you can't sound like everybody else. So that's a couple of examples right there. Luis Ramos asks, if you were starting all over again, what commodity would you focus on transport, food, beverage? You know, that's hard to tell. I would have to do a bunch of research to find out where I wanted to start. I'm not sure. You know, I probably would not, because of my experience level, I probably would not start with van freight. I would start with something that's uh, a little bit more complexity, you know, might be flatbed, some form of heavy haul or over dimensional um, might be expedited. I don't know. I I mean, I can't give you a firm answer on that, but me personally, I probably wouldn't just start with van freight. That's when I started, when I first started in 03, we started with Northeast outbound van freight. Um, And I wouldn't start with van freight because it's the most competitive, right? It's by far the most competitive of any, if you just say van freight, then it's definitely the most competitive. If you're looking for a specific niche, like bottled beverages, that gets a little, those are still competitive, right? I mean, so yeah, I would probably find something that's a little bit less competitive, something that's easier to differentiate myself. And that would be my approach. Uh, how important is it to narrow down your niche? Extremely important. In my opinion, and I've said it before, riches are in niches. The, you, you need to identify a niche. Now there's a variety of ways you can do that. You can do the research and find a niche and then approach that niche. Or you can kind of do a shotgun approach and then where you start getting traction, you can dig into that niche and then expand into that niche. Some people do it. Those are the two primary ways that I see people doing it. I had a guest on here not long ago. I can't remember who it was, but they didn't really find a niche, but they did an enormous amount of outreach to a variety of different niches. And then they got their first customer and then they expanded using that first customer's niche and went into that niche, and then they've kind of branched out from there. So there's a variety of ways to do it. There's no right and wrong way, but you will need to niche down, especially as a startup, if you really want to stand out. Now, you can expand into other niches over time. You're not limited to that one niche forever, but I find um, that it's a lot easier to be relevant when you niche down, right? So hope that helps. Uh, Tony asks, are there daily industry KPIs to keep us uh, price loads competitively. Yes, there is there is market and rate intelligence available through most load boards, particularly the DAT and truck stop. So they have rating tools. Now, those tools, you should not exclusively use those tools to determine your rates because those are not always right. There are sometimes when it's re- they're really high, sometimes when they're really low. They're a baseline. They're a rear view mirror of what things cost uh, you know potentially cost over a 30 60 90 days right you can use them as a as a baseline but not as your specific rates the process for getting rates is identify the lane and the equipment identify what the rating intelligence is on the load boards find some carriers that run those lanes and then validate those rates before you quote a shipper right So you'll call up a couple carriers. If it's Buffalo to Atlanta, flatbed, I wouldn't just quote it off the the DAT uh, rating tool. I would actually call some carriers, use that baseline as kind of a starting point, maybe go down a little bit, figure out what the bottom is as far as three or four or five carriers. And then I would use that as the baseline for my cost. And then I would mark it up from there. So I hope that helps. Oh, here's a great question. Adam Getter. If you're already a carrier, is it wise decision to become an asset-based broker? If I were a carrier and I were in your shoes, I would absolutely have my broker authority. I would have a separate division that does brokerage. Why? Because if you're a carrier and you got five trucks, the maximum capacity you have to service customers and the maximum capacity for sales and freight is five trucks all running simultaneously. So that's your cap. Let's say each one of those is doing 2,500 miles a week times five. That's 12,500 miles a week. Let's assume it's a couple bucks a mile. That's $25,000 in revenue. That's your max per week. And that, that, right? Just quick math back in the napkin. If you have a brokerage division, you can not only keep your trucks busy and haul those same five loads, you know, that you were hauling before, but you can also haul you can also make money by leveraging the trucks of other carriers you've already got the shippers right you if you're doing direct with shippers you've already got those shippers you open up the opportunity to do another if all you did was do 5 loads a week right you're going to potentially double your profit but 5 loads a week is nothing as a broker right that's a loaded that's like a load once a day one through monday through friday that's nothing right that's amateur hour You know, we were doing, I I forgot what it was. I I think we were doing, geez, I don't even know. It was like 500 loads a day or something probably by the time, you know, I retired and sold the business. So yeah, Um, yeah, I would absolutely. Okay, here's a question from Old Young. What's one reason a shipper will give a new broker a chance? They like them. If you're nothing more than likable, there's a chance that a new shipper is gonna give you a chance. Another reason why a shipper might give you a chance is if you are able to build strong rapport, right? If you have something in common with them, if you figure out what you have in common with them. Another reason why they might give you a chance is because, you know, you identify a sales hook that's very compelling to them. Maybe a challenge or an issue they're facing and you start to speak their language. So those are a few reasons why a shipper might give a brand new broker a chance. Here's all I can tell you. You know, I bring on students all the time, multiple students per month on these interviews. They all started 30, 60, 90 days ago and they're all able to do it. So if they're able to do it, I'm confident you can do it, right? Now, many of them took the Freight Broker Bootcamp and then took the Freight Broker Sales Accelerator Program, which is why we're here to do some live Q&A and try to help guide you through the process. But if you're looking for more help and you need more assistance and you want me to help coach you through this process, you got to get enrolled in the freight broker sales accelerator. Oh, here's an interesting question. Did you lose shippers? Did you get them back? And how did you replace them? Yeah. Over the course of time, you will lose shippers. Some people lose shippers on their first load because they screw it up. Some people lose shippers their first few months because they don't follow through what they say they're going to do. And some people, some brokers have shippers for three or four or five or six years. I think I remember doing a study on our lifetime value and the, and the expectancy for a shipper. And I think we did it later in the business. And I think our average shipper was had like, it was like a five or six year lifespan, right? Now, some of them disappeared very quickly, but some of them had been around for five or six years. Now, things will change. You will not have the same shipper forever. Usually that's not the case. Hopefully you can keep them for five or 10 years. And the way you replace them is the same way you got them. The difference is, is once you've had a customer for three or four or five years, you now have a lot more experience and you know how to, you know the challenges and you know how to replace that customer because you know what shippers are looking for. So replacing them isn't the issue. But here's a good segue into this. I teach my uh, customer development and retention strategies in the freight broker Sales Accelerator. So I teach you how to turn one load into a million dollars in freight. Right, And I teach that entire retention and growth strategy as a part of the Freightbroker Sales Accelerator. So it's a really good question. Rick Lover asks, how did you formulate your emails when cold, cold emailing? I used my same sales hook framework, my same sales hook formula that I use over the phone through email and through LinkedIn. You have to be relevant. You have to be contextual. You have to be different. So the way you do that, Is to gather sales intelligence, understand your market, educate yourself about the shipper, about the industry and create compelling sales hooks that are relevant. And I did the same thing through email. The key with email is you got to be brief. Okay. Don't write a four or five paragraph, 500,000 word email. They are not going to read it. Keep it short. Be very relevant and contextual. Find a hook that differentiates you. That's what I teach in the program. Okay. Nobody else teaches this, just so you know, right? And th- this is the reason why I put it out there. How do you find shippers at the end of the year or wait for January? No, I I don't wait for the new year. I prospect, you should be prospecting year around. Anybody that tells you that you shouldn't make sales calls in November or December is crazy. I'm gonna tell you right now, you're crazy. Yes, some shippers may not renew or may not be bringing on vendors till the new year, but you have all that time to develop relationships Okay. To fill your funnel. You're crazy. If you wait till January, you're absolutely nuts. It's foolish. It's stupid. Don't do it. Anybody that tells you to wait till January to start prospecting is a moron. Did doc manager ever take you with them to new companies? I did get referrals from shipping managers, from clients, but more importantly, what we did was called this. You might like this called the Daisy. I call it the Daisy chain effect. If you have a shipper and you're picking up from his location and you're shipping to one of his customers, right? And he's paying the freight, your customer's paying the freight, that customer that you're delivering to, um, what I would do is after delivering to that location multiple times, I would, I would actually talk to that shipping manager there, warehouse manager, whoever was there, and I'd let them know that we've been delivering their loads, introduce myself, and that we already have a relationship with this company. And then I would use that as a way to get my foot in the door there. And for every location they would ship to, whether it be a a location where my customer was buying product from somebody or delivering product to somebody, I would use those locations as leads for sales, as a way to expand my business. It's a very natural way to build your brokerage. If you are curious about becoming a freight broker or a freight agent, and you're just not quite sure where to start, you're getting a lot of good information on YouTube and Google, but you just can't connect all the dots. Let me know and make sure you check out freightbrokerbootcamp.com. We've trained over 10,000 students, been in business over a decade. I've personally done over $200 million as a freight broker and we offer a 60-day 100% unconditional money-back guarantee. So if you're curious about becoming a freight broker, freight agent...